0: 4.13. Amen? All right, let's, let's read it. Um, Till we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Let me read it again. Till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So God wants us to be united basically until we are in in unity of one faith of that faith and knowledge of the son of God until we become perfect uh, like Jesus Christ uh, his measure and his stature in the fullness of Christ amen as one body as a whole so let's pray to get started father we thank you lord for your goodness we thank you for what you're doing lord uh, speak to us this afternoon uh, speak to your children, Lord. Use me, Father. Let me be your vessel this afternoon, God. We receive your word. Open the hearts, open the minds, Lord, in the mighty name of Jesus, God. Amen and amen. Last week, well, two weeks now in a row, we've been talking about unity and what really unity is. Uh, the The first week we talked about what uh, what division is not. Sometimes when we look at, for example, uh, space between people, that's not necessarily division or disagreement. We went through that the first week. Last week, we talked about unity and what unity really is, amen, in the body of Christ. And that's really these uh, these amazing things that are in Ephesians. If you read the beginning of Ephesians up until uh, verse 13, you'll see that there's some things that unite us. And, and those things were seven things that we learned. And it was, you know, one body or one spirit. One hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one God, Father of all. Amen? So we saw that unity is these seven amazing things that unite us as one body, whether uh, it would be a church in Asia, in Russia, in Iraq, or here in the U.S., or down the street. What unites us is Jesus Christ. Amen? So today I want to talk about what real division is, how the enemy is sometimes at work in the body of Christ, trying to divide his body. But the way that he does it is something that I discovered with the Lord as he downloaded this message that I testified the first week that I preached this message about. It was a Tuesday morning where uh, God just gave me this message. All Tuesday morning and, you know, afternoon, I, I just spent my day writing and writing and writing, and it was like 12 pages, and now it's turned into a, a lot But it's it's all God. It's all his spirit. Amen. And so what is division? Division is when the church of Jesus Christ is not under the oneness of God. When when we read that, Paul says to the Ephesians, look, there's there's one body, one spirit, all of those one things it's it's the oneness of God the the, uh, the Trinity even you know sometimes that can be a little bit confusing but the Father, Son and the Holy Spirit are one amen and so that's why I've entitled this, this this series one under one because it's one God and and we are one body. so we're one body under one God. amen. but what is this division? Division is when all of a sudden uh, the enemy begins to creep into the church, and he begins to to deviate us and to, to change our mind about the oneness of God. And so now uh, the body of Jesus Christ is taking sides. There's team A and team B and team C and team D. And we're not all one. We're not all in agreement because of what he has done subtly in the body of Jesus Christ. But I believe that God has opened our hearts and opened our minds today in this, in this series so that we can be aware of it because he's called us for such a time as this. Amen. This is a word that has been vibrating in my soul, in my spirit. And God has been speaking to me about this phrase for such a time as this. I believe that we are in the season uh, season of discovering that that we are actually one, that we are not separated from our brothers and our sisters as we may think. Amen. So what is this division? We're going to get right into it. Division is caused by the enemy. And just like unity is spiritual, division is also spiritual. It's demonic and satanic in nature. Amen. So we got to be aware of those things. It's not, you know, Paul said it best in the book of Ephesians. For our fight is not against flesh and blood. Amen. Amen. It's not against flesh and blood it's not about what people are doing or not doing it's what's behind those things what's the heart so the enemy begins to begins to subtly subtly creep into the church and then the hearts begin to turn away from each other you see God wants us connected he wants us to love each other and be united yes people are going to know you know you right yes people are going to make you upset but he wants he wants relationships from heart to heart Not from brain to brain or from brain to heart, because those don't work. It's always from heart to heart. When you're going to have a conversation with someone to address something, when you're going to when you have conflict with someone, when you had disagreement with someone, if you go to them with all your arguments set up in your head, you're like, all right, I got 10 arguments. They definitely can't beat me this time. And you go with your arguments and you say all your, you didn't get anywhere. Or, or what I laugh at is the people on Facebook that argue. I find that so funny. Like, like they wrote a big paragraph of all their arguments and everything that they believe. And then they walk away from Facebook like, ah, I really convinced them this time. No, I'm sorry. You didn't convince anyone but yourself of what you believe. Stop arguing on Facebook. Facebook is for pretty things. Oh, I feel good today. All right? All right. You didn't. Okay. So division comes into the church, and it's spiritual, and it begins to to shift the hearts away from from brothers and sisters. I don't know if you've ever had conflict, perhaps, with, with blood, you know, with blood, brothers and sisters, where the hearts turn away. There's all this stuff in between. And that stuff is what the enemy uses to turn hearts away from each other. The enemy will have us to believe that we are body parts and not one body. That's his goal. There's body parts. We're not united. That's his goal for you to think that. Once you think that, then it'll creep into your heart. And then that's why there's so many believers and Christians that say, I'll never go to church again. And that's sad. That is really sad. That's not how it should be. That's not how Jesus designed it. That's, that's not why Jesus died. He died so that we may be one. And I know it's hard because there's so many personalities. And we think that we're going to go to church and it's like going to a fancy restaurant. Who's going to serve me? You know, uh, the food wasn't good this time. Where's my A1 sauce? Because, man, I love it. And all my steak. I'm just saying if you're going to invite me over for dinner. But when we come to church like a restaurant, like a fancy one too, I like the, you know, some, you know, sometimes the other ones, but mostly it's like, serve me. But we, we all say this cliche, this, this cliche all the time, right? We hashtag it, we put it on Facebook, we put it on Twitter and Instagram and Snapchat and whatever else we're doing now, right? Periscope, oh my God, what's next, right? We always say this, church is a hospital. And we're so good at saying things like that, but when, it really, when we really start to see the mess, we, we want to run away. When you go to a hospital, somebody walks in with a gunshot. They're bleeding. Somebody walks in with their arm cut off because they got in an accident. Their face is falling off. I'm sorry to be graphic, but there's messy things in hospitals. Amen. And so when you walk into church, you're not walking into perf- you're not walking into heaven yet. I'm sorry. You're walking into people that are in process. Everyone in process, everyone with different mentalities, everybody just thinking differently and people criticizing each other. But that's messy and it's okay because we're growing together. If your family's perfect, then I understand. Stay home then. But we we all know that our families are flawed as well. We all know that, you know, we have a little, just a little dysfunction in our families, just a little bit. And so it's okay. Let's not be scared of the messes that sometimes are in our church. Yes, even grace and love. Yes, but it's okay because you know what? God wants us to see beyond those things for us to be united by the Spirit. So so the enemy comes and he begins to divide subtly the church and the hearts begin to turn away from each other. The way that he has divided the church, it started long ago. I want you to know this, this is like something very like powerful that you need to to kind of start seeing and letting it kind of seep in. It started with the message. The simple message of the gospel has been twisted, turned, flipped, rearranged, changed so much that people are divided because of it. And that's the job of the enemy. There's people that for a living, for a living, argue about Doctrine with other believers. Anybody see anything? I don't know. I just, I don't want to argue. I want to be, I want to love you. I want to love my brother and my sister. Yes, we might not agree in everything, but what, what happens is the enemy be, be, becomes like, like this, this, this. It's not like a bold face lie and separation. It's very like, it's, it's, it's truth sprinkled with lie. And as soon as the truth is sprinkled with lie, is a lie. If you put a little poison in a bottle of water, just, a little, just two drops, it might kill you. So we have to be careful. And that's how the enemy began to just change the message. He began to switch it and turn it and flip it. Why? Because he knew if, if I mess with the message, I'll mess with their unity. So he started to do that. He's tried it. He's tried to destroy unity through the message. He affected the message of the gospel. This is the root. I'm telling you, God is speaking. This is the root of division. What did he do in heaven when he was Lucifer? What did he do? He started to shift and change the message. He started to speak into the ears of the other angels and said, hey, it's not good. all good over here. He did the same thing with Eve in the garden. He told her it was with word. He told her, he told her, did God really say you can't eat of this tree? Amen. Did God really say that? I think he said that because he doesn't want you to be like him. Did God ever say that? He started to softly change the message. And that's where division starts. Hmm. That's where we begin to look at each other differently because we look at at what someone thinks or what we think is different. And sometimes the enemy will actually influence someone to have the wrong message. And that's real division. When the gospel is compromised... When the gospel is changed and rearranged and twisted, I'm going to prove it with the word in just a second. But it is through the message. Division is that twisting that the enemy has caused. And the simple message, don't we complicate the message of the gospel too much sometimes? It is a simple message of the gospel. Jesus came to save you. We were on our way to hell, but Jesus came to save. He took our sin. He took our unrighteousness and put it on himself and gave us perfection and righteousness. And now we can come before the throne of grace and he calls us holy, acceptable, and beloved. Amen. Can we give God a hand for that? Praise God. We read in Ephesians 4.13 that unity is when we have the one faith, when we all have the maturity of that one faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. The enemy, what he's doing is he is attacking the faith, and he is attacking the knowledge of the Son of God. That's where he starts. It's a full-fledged attack on the message. And sometimes it's other ways too. It's not like you think just like all negative. It's also sometimes when there's no... There's all like one. It's one sided. The message might be one sided. There's there's no freedom to to speak truth. There's no freedom to say how it really is. Everyone did it in the Bible, in the New Testament. Peter, Paul, everyone spoke the truth because they were doing it in the spirit of unity. Turn your Bibles to to the book of Acts, chapter five, uh, chapter 15, excuse me. Let me know when you have it. I'm trying to move as quickly as I can. This is going to just open it up here. Acts chapter 15 verse 5. Are you there? Look Look at the subtle change. Look at this. All right, ready? But some of the sect of the Pharisees who believed rose up saying, It is necessary to circumcise them and to command them to keep the law of Moses. The Pharisees, they were believers, but they were Pharisees. They believed in Jesus Christ. And then the Gentiles are accepting the Lord. They're being baptized in water, baptized in the Holy Spirit. And the Pharisees stand up in the midst of the elders and the apostles. And they say, listen, they need to be circumcised. And keep the law of Moses. They were starting to slowly, softly change the message of the gospel with their religious activity. You, you got to see the power in that because, because it, they're in a meeting and, and, and this is in the early church. They don't have a Bible yet. They don't have a Bible. They don't have Genesis through Revelations yet. They have the Torah. But they don't have the full spectrum of the gospel. So they are laying the foundation down for us. So in this moment, they can say, yeah, you're right. Pharisee, you're right. We need to circumcise them. And they need to keep the law of Moses. They have that option. Amen. Are we in love with the gospel, the simple message of the gospel? Hey man, it is because of these men, these forefathers that died. I need you to listen to this. These forefathers that died for the faith. For the unity of the saints. What happens right after that? Let's keep reading in verse 6. This is called the Council of Jerusalem. Now the apostles and elders came together to consider this matter. And when... the and, and when there had been much dispute, I love this part. Peter rose up and said to them, men and brethren, you know that a good while ago, God chose among us that by my mouth, the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. So God, who knows the heart, Acknowledge them by giving them the Holy Spirit just as He did to us. And make no distinction between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith now therefore now therefore why do you test god by putting a yoke on the neck of the disciples which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear but we believe that through the grace of the lord jesus christ we shall be saved in the same manner as they hallelujah hallelujah so you see the apostles, the, the Pharisees came and they said, Hey, we need to circumcise them. We, they need to keep the law of Moses. And Peter and the apostles and the elders and the br- brothers got together just like this, just how we are right now, and said, All right, let's discuss this. And they started to dispute it. There was back and forth, there was disagreements, there was agreements, there was conversation. And Peter, Peter, the leader of the apostles, he rose up and he said, Wait a minute. By the spirit, he rose up, he stood up by the spirit and he said, wait a minute, we ourselves could not keep the law. What the heck are you guys talking about? We ourselves could not keep the law. And you want to impose it on the Gentiles who have never even heard of the law? We ourselves cannot keep the law. Our fathers could not keep the law. The prophets, everyone could not keep the law. And you want to put that weight on the Gentiles? No. Why do you test God, he said. Why do you test God? Why are you trying to split the oneness of the body of Jesus Christ? Why are you doing that? You can't split the body with the changing of the message. Peter raises up and says, it is by grace. It is by grace that we have been saved. It is by his grace that we are saved. So they're they're like, this is how it is. They protected the message. They protected unity. But the enemy was there. If I, if I make this change, the enemy is there. If I make this change, I'm going to split this up. It was the changing of the message. We cannot allow for the simple gospel to be changed and switched and shift around. It is the work of the enemy trying to divide the body. You know what he was doing there? Because we're saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. Now I understand why Paul would say certain things, why Peter and John would say certain things. We are saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. You know what the enemy was doing there? He was saying, we don't need faith. We need works. We need things. We need to do things because that's how we're saved. That's how how they're going to be saved. No! The enemy was trying to literally, you got to see this, attack faith. Without faith, it is very, very difficult to please God. It's impossible. Let's read that last verse 10. Again in Acts 15, verse 10. Now therefore, why do you test God? By putting a yoke on the neck of the disciples which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear. But we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved in the same manner as they. And I love verse 12. I'll end with verse 12. Then all the multitude kept silent. And listened to Barnabas and Paul declaring how many miracles and wonders God had worked through them among the Gentiles. So you see, not only were the Gentiles receiving Christ, but there was miracles, wonders, things happening among them. Proving that the Holy Spirit was with them and working in them. But in that moment, some had the choice to say, we're going to believe what the apostles are saying and decreeing. We're going to go with their authority. Or we're going to go with what the Pharisees think. And believe it or not, some actually still ended up thinking the way that the Pharisees thought. Still to this day. Still to this day, they may not say get circumcised and follow the law of Moses, but they might say you have to do this, this, and this, and this, and that. And if you don't, you might lose what Christ paid for. No. You can't lose what you didn't have anything to do with. Jesus gave you salvation. You didn't give you salvation. So you can't do anything to undo salvation because Jesus gave it to you as a gift. Amen? Thank you, brother. Thank you. Some men did not agree, and that immediately caused some to follow the council of Jerusalem, which was the apostles and the elders, and some the Pharisee believers that brought this up, causing division. See how division is from the message is satanic and demonic in nature. The message is the same. Let's go to Galatians. You've read this before, but let's go anyway. Galatians chapter 1. Galatians chapter 1 please say amen when you have it. Amen. Verse 6 i I'm reading New King James I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel which is not another but there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel listen to that these key words are so imp- important pervert the gospel of Christ but even if we <laughs> I love this now it all makes sense to me like more sense but even if we meaning Paul and and the apostles but even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you let him be accursed as we have said before so now i say again if anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what you have received let him be accursed for do i now persuade man or god or do i seek to please men For if I still please men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. But I make known to you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man. For I neither received it from man, nor was I taught it, but it came through the revelation of Jesus Christ. Amen? It comes through the revelation. Of Jesus Christ. So now I know why Paul would say certain things. Now I know why Paul was saying this. He was trying to protect the faith and trying to protect the knowledge of the Son of God. He was trying to protect unity. There's nothing wrong with preaching against things that are wrong if you're doing it in the spirit of unity. If you're doing it to to, to beat down and to condemn and, and for personal and selfish gain, then. No, but if you're doing it to protect like Paul is doing right now, he was protecting the body of Jesus Christ. Paul, he had a lot of churches under him. It was not just the ones that that are in the Bible, those books that are in the Bible. There was a lot of churches that were under Paul's care and he was trying to protect them. In Colossians 311, you don't have to go to it, but it says it says like this. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free. But Christ is all and in all protecting unity. Now I know why he would say certain things. Because he was there in the book of Acts. He was there long ago when the Pharisees stood up and said, we need to change the message. And Peter stood up. Paul didn't stand up. He knew his place in that moment. Peter stood up and said, it is by grace. Paul took that message all across Asia, all across the countries that he went because he was there in that moment and he subjected himself to that gospel that was protected by the apostles. Division means that the enemy comes to change the message and some go that way and some go the other. We cannot accept another gospel but the gospel that the apostles protected. That's what we need to accept. All of a sudden, later on, this... I've told you guys about... This stuff, this other belief stands up in, in the midst of that historic time called Gnosticism. Say Gnosticism, Gnosticism, say it. Okay, we rebuke Gnosticism. Don't say it again. That's the last time. <laughs> Just kidding. So Gnosticism comes along. And, and when you read, the, you got to know this because when you read the Bible, you'll know why Paul is saying certain things. Gnost, the Gnostics believed that they gained. You know, salvation through the knowledge of God, not the knowledge of the son of God, not the knowledge or the knowing or the relationship, but the head knowledge of God. And so they believed that the more knowledge they gained, that the more closer they were to God. They also had a hard time believing that Jesus came in the flesh, that God became flesh and walked on the earth. They had a hard time believing that. And so they would say that the Holy Spirit or the spirit of God came into Jesus at baptism and right when he was dying left him and that that wasn't God that was just the body that God used no that was God in the flesh it was Jesus in the flesh it was him that came and left his throne the reason they said that was because they believed that anything that was flesh or physical or material was evil anything flesh physical or material was evil And anything spiritual or spirit was good. And so they couldn't believe that Jesus, there's no way that God would ever be in this flesh. Because it is kind of tough. Right? This flesh, like he was in this flesh? Nah. They were very mystical. And they had a sense that they knew more than others. And the more you knew... That's why I see it's not good to know. God doesn't want us to just know in our head. God says be filled with wisdom and understanding. Not knowledge, necessarily head knowledge. But yes, knowing Jesus Christ, but not knowledge in our brain. They said maybe he was a ghost or even a hologram. Maybe he came and some aliens took him up. I don't know. That's mine. That's another twisting of the message of God. The enemy was slowly trying to twist. You can Google this. Look up. When you get home, Google heresies. Heresies against Christianity. There's like 500. And they were all in this time. So that's why this book was written. I want you to understand that the reason, one of the reasons this book was written was to protect the unity. They wanted to say, a thousand years from now. If there's believers, 2,000 years, maybe they didn't think that far, but 2,000 years from now, if there's believers, they're going to read this book, and it's ancient, but it's going to protect what Jesus did. (sighs) Some believers, unfortunately, started believing the lies of Gnosticism. They started implementing things in their church. They still believed in Christ. They believed that Christ died for their sins and all of that good stuff, but there was some twisting of the message. Remember... Truth sprinkled with lies. It's no longer truth. Gotta do this, be careful. You know, this women sit separately because we're we're flesh. Gotta separate, we're bad, we're evil, everything is evil. Don't touch anything, don't look at anything, don't smell, don't eat, don't do this and don't do that, because everything is evil. Fast all day long. To get skinny, anorexic, doesn't matter. Because that's, the more you get rid of your flesh, the more you get, rid of, does this sound familiar to anyone? The more you get rid of your flesh, the better, the more spiritual you will be. I was like, Lord, I want to preach this in one message. This, this thing about the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and what these Gnostics and the other million heresies try to attack. Uh, and he's like, no. You can't preach that in one message. This is going to be the rest of your life. Protecting this. I was like, Jesus Christ. I wanted to just do like one message. It's okay. Let me read this to you because I wrote it. It's okay, and I said some of this. It's okay to preach against things that are wrong. If you are doing it from the spirit of unity, just like Paul would, or John, or, or Peter. If not, you are doing it for self-gain and to put others down. Paul preached against such things to protect unity, to protect faith and the knowledge of the Son of Jesus Christ. Someone that tries to destroy faith by adding, they, they would add self-righteousness or empty works. Or they would try to destroy the knowledge of Jesus like the Gnostics did. That he came in the flesh, they would question that. That he resurrected, they would question that. And that he is God, they would question that. And that's why Paul... All these books were written, all these apostles that protected Paul preached against those things because as a spiritual father, he was protecting the sheep from the destruction of unity, which again stems from faith, one faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, knowing who Jesus is. Jesus is eternal. He's the tree of life that left his throne, became flesh, came and died for our sins, but resurrected in power three days later and now sits at the right hand of the Father in glory advocating for his church. That's who Jesus is. It hasn't changed. Let's go to First of John chapter 4. This is all making sense? Amen? If not, then... Ask me questions later. 1 John chapter 4. This is why the men of God would write these, ver- these verses. This is all going to make sense to you. When God delivered this message into my hands, I was like, oh, my gosh. Everything is making so much sense. 1 John chapter 4. Are you there? It says in verse one, 1, 1 through 4. Beloved. I love how he would address the church. Beloved. Do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they are of God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the spirit of of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of Antichrist, which you have heard was coming. And then he adds, and is now already in the world. You're waiting for the Antichrist? Been here a long time ago. Verse 4, you are of God, little children, Oh, and have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Let's read verse 5. I don't think I gave it, but they are of the world. Therefore, they speak as of the world and the world hears them. We are of God. He who knows God hears us. He who is not of God does not hear us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. That's division in six verses. That is true division. The spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Not that they play Spanish music and we play English. Not that they there's a church down the street. Not not that they do this. And not that they wear the veil and we do... Not that they, Whatever. That's not what it is. It's the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. It's spiritual. It's demonic. It's satanic in nature. And that's why he was saying this. I love it because... The Gnostics came with like, well, we don't know if Jesus came actually in the flesh, if God actually came in the flesh. He said every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. Apostle John is the one that lived the longest. He was around for some of that. When all these little lies started trying to creep into the church. And he was in the island of Patmos and he started hearing about all the lies and all the things that were happening in the body of Christ. And he said, I got to write some books. I got to write some letters. And he even wrote the Gospel of John later on. Way later on. That is what division is. What time is it? Okay, I got 10 minutes-ish. Today, we have several systems of belief that try to divide our unity. The enemy has had his way with the message of God and therefore has tried to create body parts and not one body. Want me to bring it full circle the way the Holy Spirit did it in my life? My life has changed. I'm different. I was telling God this week, Lord, I feel like I've been born again, again. I am. I am. So different. I look at things so differently now because of this. I'm going to bring it back full circle. Let's go back to Ephesians chapter 4. Okay, I'm in Malachi. So nervous. Ephesians chapter 4. You there? All right, we're going to read in verse 11 so that we can get some context. We've read it before, but let's just get it so we can get some context. Amen. Are you there? And he himself. Gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. For what? For the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Till we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man, to a measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. You ready for full circle? Verse 14. That we shall no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ From whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Full circle. Because I had stopped, remember, we had stopped at verse 13. Verse 14, immediately, I just, we, he just took us into a big journey, right? And the reason for unity and the reason for protecting unity and the reason why division is the shifting and the changing of the message is because of verse 14 that says that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. That's why it's so important. That's why we are one body under one God. He's the head. Christ is the head. Amen? Christ is the head, and we are the body, and we are together, knitted together, and we are joined together. We are together in this. We might talk about this. We might keep going with this, but... This, this message, I believe, is a, a powerful, Can get the worship team come up, please, a powerful apostolic message. I think that the apostles laid this foundation out for us for a reason. That the book of Acts, the book of, uh, of the first of John that we read, and the book of Ephesians, and the book of Colossians were put together because... Because of the unity. Remember, the false word divides the body into body parts. But the true gospel, the true word of God unites the body. Why don't you get on your feet? We're going to continue this next week because there's a lot more that I need to share with you. The elders, the apostles, they were in one room. And the Pharisees said, hey, we need to change some things for the Gentiles. God spoke through Peter. And he said no 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 we're not going to change what jesus already changed we are saved by grace the simple message of the gospel is that you're saved by grace now now you got to respond and you got to seek him out you got to have relationship you got to you got to get you together with your brothers and sisters in church and worship together like we are doing today. You got to respond to that message. You got to protect that message. You got to protect the gospel, the unity that God has created. Don't turn your hearts away from your brothers and sisters, but keep loving. Jesus said even your enemies should have some of your love. Father, we thank you for your message. We thank you for speaking to us. We thank you for your gospel. We pray that your gospel would continue to speak to us, God. Continue, Lord, to bless us. In the mighty name of Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus, Lord. You have called us for such a time as this. You have been called for such a time as this to protect the gospel. Called you out of religion, he called you out of tradition. Into his marvelous grace. Lord, we, we say yes, God. respond yes Lord to the mission we respond yes Lord to the great commission God. you have called us into the ministry of reconciliation we say yes God we respond yes tell him yes Lord for such a time as this you've called me and I say yes God I say yes Lord Say yes, God. I say yes, Lord.